When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com with the entire gang here as uh, we head into preseason uh, OU Media Days yesterday, the boys were all out covering it. Uh, we had the emergency pod earlier in the week uh, where uh, Eddie and Josh got you caught up on everything that happened in the month of July with recruiting. Uh, we know we've got a uh, special going on. I don't know, Josh, you want to read off kind of what uh, we always get people that say, hey, uh, when are you going to run a special at, at Sooner Scoop to we can get in on, uh, on the cheap? Uh, and uh, I know we have a promotion going right now. Yeah, I mean, you just go to, uh, and, and you know, and if, if you don't want to track it down, DM me. I'll, I'll certainly send it to you. Uh, just kick off 2022 is the promo code. Uh, it's going to give you free through the month of August. So you can, I mean, like Kerry said, we've got team stuff getting started. Guys are going to be out there covering, talking to Brent Venables, doing all the things they need to do. I'm going to be out on the road here over the next few weeks, getting out and seeing some, uh, some fall practices of OU commits, OU offers. We're going to get out and see some guys. So there is – it gives you it gives you a good chance to see what it's like at peak. When, you know, teams team information's coming in, recruiting stuff's going on, we're going to have a lot of stuff. So it's it's a really good time. And, you know, you, you try it out. If you don't like it, then, hey, you know, no hard feelings. And, and my guess is you're going to like it. We, we don't have a real problem with retention on the people that tried these free trials. So, again, it's just kickoff 2022. Real simple. Uh, enter it in when you sign up at, at Rivals. We kill or you. Or at Sooner Scoot. We kill you. We, yes. we come to your we, home. We just want to get your information so we, we can kill you. We follow your family to yes. the elementary school before the drop-off, and we kill you if you... Cancel. Actually, Bob and Josh's kids kill you. They're murderers for hire that we've been training. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, have you seen Dawn of the Dead? The little girls, it's terrifying. It's, it's a very scary red, thing. Red so just, just don't cancel. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. So, uh, yesterday, OU Media Day, uh, every single coach, uh, was available to the media. And, uh, also, that's the, that's the, we give, we give, we give. Now, the take, you only get to talk to coordinators and Britt Venables rest of here on forward. Uh, but several players involved, and uh, let's just start with you, Bob. I mean, make you the star of the podcast today. Uh, everybody's kind of had their take on, you know, what what was their biggest takeaway from this? Uh, and it, it's just a. I thought it was maybe just more a lot of little things. Yes, than any yes. any one big thing in particular. There wasn't one overarching storyline or new like breaking news that you had to get out there right away. But I think. And some people have mentioned it on on the board. We'll give Mackie the the shout out when the subdued Brent Venables, because it's time. It's not about pumping up the program or getting ready for recruiting season. The season is here, 
And you could tell his mindset, his mentality. He's not on the caravan tour anymore. No, it's, he's it's not. Football. It is football time, yeah. and it was definitely that way. I mean, that was a 28-minute presser where it never felt like the Brent of March or of April and May. That was a guy that's locked in and and focused. So I think initially it's like, oh, man, like what's wrong with Brent? <laughs> and then you switch. It's like, wait a minute. This is the real Brent that's ready to get it really going now. Starting to feel like football season. I mean, it, it truly is. I, I was leaving the uh, stadium yesterday. I was like, okay, this this feels right. This feels like it's finally things are like, completely normal as far as and not even talking about like COVID stuff just completely normal as far as this is, feels like the beginning of the season and you know I, I mean it's the end of the summer end of the workout start of fall camp uh and you guys were, you know we were talking about this a little bit the other day like you guys were saying it wasn't that everybody was asking about Jerry Schmidt it was that the players kept bringing it up or that you know they kept the coaches kind of just you know, mentioned it in passing by, but it right. was still a very big topic yesterday, even though it wasn't like, you know, every reporter was asking a Jerry Schmidt question. Yeah, it was nice to actually hear real, like, legitimate things instead of just messing with Schmitty, L-O-L. That's what the summer was. You get to hear, like, okay, David Aguebu lost the 15 to 20 pounds. Theo Weiss put on 10 pounds. You hear the excitement of Bill Biedenboe about what the offensive line looks like has transformed into because of what Schmidt has been able to do. And I think, you know, Brent's answer about Schmidt really not changing too much up from who he was before and how you can take what worked in 1999, transport it to 2022, make the tweaks that are necessary, and it feels like they were able to do just that. It, I think everybody knew that, you know, Jerry Schmidt was obviously going to focus on the offensive lineman, defensive lineman. That's kind of his forte. But when you hear an Andrew Rame talk about and he looked different. I know that we say that every year or every at this time of the year that they come back from summer workouts like, yeah, he had a really great summer. He looks good. But, you know, Andrew Rame flat out said, said that about offensive linemen recently. Well, no. And I, I mean, he flat out says we did more in six months with Jerry Schmidt than we did in two years. Those are one of those woe statements. And I saw a Spencer Rattler video today. Did you see that one? How Spencer looked? No, I, I love the cock. Looks, he still I love looks, the cocks. He still looks frumpy. Man, I think that's just how he is. He's going to throw for ten thousand yards this year. Finished in second in the Heisman Trophy to. Uh, I don't Dylan even think Gabriel. he's working out just for Instagram for the gram in these days. I I'm mean, sure that Shane's real to men. Shane's real to men. He's ready. He, he's SEC ready. You can't you can't be on the uh, on the gram all day. But I mean, just listening to Bill Beatembo, you could tell yes. that like. It was funny the way that he would like, and he didn't want to take shots at Benny Wiley, obviously, but everything that he says is going to be construed in a way that, oh yeah, that's a shot at Benny Wiley. I mean, that's just how that is. But at the same time, you could tell that they had a really good summer up front. And I think that, you know, when you start talking about this offensive line, and I'm sure that we'll do that over the next month, uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this group kind of comes together. I feel a little bit of shame. Uh, I had to be told by somebody else that Wanya Morris was actually named after Boys to Men's Wanya Morris. He was. You didn't know this? I did not know oh, that. Good, I feel so much better No, I, I just thought coincidence. It's actually in his roster on Soonersports.com. His bias. I can't hate that. I love Boys to Men. So. I'm a big fan. I I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I've got beef with anybody who doesn't love Boys to Men. That's that's, yeah. that's a problem. You're, there's something wrong so, with you if you yeah, don't love Boys to Men. You're wrong. 
Motown Philly was very important. That, that's a big time album. I always think two's the best though. Oh, that's a tough Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. And Eddie is silently wondering who any of like what? he doesn't know. No, any I know of who Boys the Men is. I went to fifth grade dances at the War Acres <laughs> Community Center. <laughs> I think everybody knows it. If you don't know who Boys to Men are, I would feel like, and you're younger than. I mean, I, I guess you That's get an out if you're like Eddie. 25. Like, if you don't know this pop culture reference, like if that comes from Eddie, you better know who Boys to Men are. No, I, I, I know who Boys to Men are. I have the Christmas okay. album. That's right. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> B- Bob's all in. I uh, am. He, he, the you know. R&B, that's right in my wheelhouse. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, but you're talking about the offensive line, what we're going to learn. I mean, that's the thing, really. I mean, every camp is like left tackle, right yeah. tackle. Uh, good know. good combo with Anton Harrison yesterday as well. I mean, I, he seems like a guy. I remember going back all the way to last year and just how inconsistent things were. Uh, it seems like, you know, and Bob, you kind of worked this angle yesterday just talking about guys that had to have tough conversations with Brent yes. Venables during the change and during the turnover. And, you know, I, I don't think that Her- uh, that Anton was necessarily that guy, but I think that there were some eye-opening conversations that had to be had in a way. And, uh, you know, David Awegbu is certainly like Project 1A if you're talking about a guy that completely has, you know, just the way that he talked about. Uh, and he told me just, you know, kind of having to look in the mirror and be like, I got to lose weight. You gotta lose these twenty pounds because I can't fall back on a just being more talented than I than I was in high school than everybody else. And we all know, and like B, he's having to move to defensive end. He's yep. that guy. Like he, if there's anybody that Brent Venables is going to come in here last spring and say who who is not performing at the level that sure. you know they show me when the, you know when they get off the bus. Like it's David Aguayo. I mean the the plays that you know. Look, he, do you remember last year? Like just how like. We did those like, round tables, and it was like, David who's going to be the guy that breaks yeah. out in the defense? And uh, I think we all three put David Aguaybu. Yeah, I think it was one of those things. It's like, guys, we can't all pick <laughs> David Aguaybu every week. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, ever since that, that play against uh, Oklahoma State and Bedlam, it's like you tip the pass to yourself, dive, interception. Like, we've all been expecting you know him to progress from there, and he basically was invisible last year. Yeah, and you know, he... Strangely enough, one of the younger guys, like Danny Stutzman, gave me a great answer to that question when, when I asked him yesterday. He's like, Brent looked at Stutzman Tate and knew immediately, it's like, you don't prepare well enough to be a Big 12 linebacker. Uh, well, and that's the other thing is like, that's Brent's bread and butter. That's his guys. Like, he's going to be harder on you as a linebacker than he is on any other player in the team because that is where he made his living. I mean, being a linebacker, being a linebacker's coach, being a defensive coordinator, like you may have other people that are position coach, but we've seen him in practice. Brent Venables, he's still really the, he's really the yes. defensive coordinator. He's really the <laughs> linebacker's coach. I mean, you can say who, you know, whatever you want about whose title is what. Exactly. Oh, he, he's going to be coaching Ted Roof as much as he's <laughs> coaching those players. Like, there's no doubt. And I mean that is no slight to Roof at all. That's just Brent. Like he can't. It it has to be perfect. Anything that's not is just unacceptable. It's just like remember Bob the spring game and he's sitting there huddling, <laughs> like giving the defense the advantage by coaching them on the field while Jeff Lebby's up in the press box. I mean, like he just cannot stay away. Which will be interesting to watch because that's going to be something 
as a head coach, eventually there's going to have to be some sort of distance. Can he balance that? Guys, is, is this going to be the doom pod? Like no, we got, like we we're okay. We like we've got to plan that out. We, we can we the doom pod is we're not legendary. Doing the, it's, we're not doing that this year. I mean, <laughs> we were too on the nose. Three no. years into it, we'll do it again. But we're not. The doom pod may have may have caused all the catastrophes of last season. You think? I mean, I mean, I, I haven't gone back and listened to it, but we had to be spot on. Spot on, on a things. lot of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of scary. Like I, I, I've had people be like, "You guys were on to some." I mean, there's some stuff we missed on, but sure. like that, there was absolutely some stuff that like this could go wrong, and it damn well did. It it did seem like yesterday though that there's and it's kind of been a common theme throughout the the spring. Uh, throughout the, you know, somewhat of what I guess the preseason is, Big 12 Media Days and then local media day yesterday, but just how much they believe in competition. You know, you hear yep. David Awegbu and Danny Stutzman talking about playing basically the same position and pushing each other throughout practice, wanting to get better. And, like, I know that's all a bunch of kind of just talk for the preseason, but I do think that it, it's kind of one of those little things that plays a bigger role at the end of the day. And, you know, I... It just seems like there's more, I don't know if it's just a competitive fire down there right now, but it seems like everybody, and maybe it's just because, simply because of the blank slate. And you talk to Billy Bowman, you talk to any of those defensive guys, I think that, you know, it's kind of been suppressed upon them that's like, you know, you guys have been the butt ends of every joke around here for the last five years. Do something about it. And, and it, it, the, the new staff is kind of offering, like, if you want to change that narrative, it's kind of up to you guys. Yeah, and it's not... A lot of them didn't have a choice because of how Venables attacked every position. Like, how many times have we said, oh, like, they're they're thin at this spot. They're like, they need a couple more at this position. And whether it was a walk-on, whether it was the portal, you know, they hit every single spot to where everyone's going to earn it. That, of course, that's another theme. That was what Ted, Ted Roof was saying, what all the defensive assistants were saying. Everyone's going to earn their spot. And that a that could mean backup. That could be mean third, uh, you know, third string. But there's enough guys in every room to where you're not just gonna fall into a like a starter or backup role just because you're the only person there. And so that goes, you know, that's that competitive fire. It, it's the depth. It's the experience that they brought in through the portal to make sure no one gets complacent and to make sure that all you know the top eleven deserve to be where they are. Uh, I'm going to get to this early uh, because uh, I, we got more stuff to talk about. But uh, I want to remind you guys of our great sponsor, PrimeShrimp.com. Uh, right now, here's the deal right now. like we, They've got a contest going on on the message board. If you're a subscriber to Soonerscoop.com and, and you participated uh, in the launch uh, week that we had for Prime Shrimp, go on there, uh, tell about your experience with Prime Shrimp, and you'll be entered to win uh, a, basically a, a gift package from primeshrimp.com. But uh, great shrimp, $20 off any first order. Uh, that's the special that we've got going on right now. Uh, $20 off any first order. Uh, use the code SOONERSCOOP and uh, you'll get that $20 off your first order at, at primeshrimp.com. But I, I'm going to go get some uh, linguine, I think. Is that the cut of pasta? Is it? There is a cut of pasta called linguine. I'm usually like an angel hair guy when I use like, but I'm going to go get some linguine and I'm, I'm going with garlic and herb butter tonight. 
So the French Quarter Alfredo, a lot of people love that. The Signature, people love that one. Uh, The New Orleans style, the Louisiana uh, uh, shrimp oil. So go check it out. Prime Shrimp, P-R-I-M-E shrimp.com. Use that code SOONERSCOOP and get $20 off your first order. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, we talk about the linebacker so much, and I, I think Brent said yesterday, like, he feels that that could be his best it's position. A big, it's a big group. I mean, you start looking at the, the roster <laughs> yeah, of so guys. Many people, so many I mean, guys that have played a lot of football. Compared to what you had a year ago, which was basically Brian Osamoa and, and Deshaun Watson. Or Deshaun Watson. My God. Deshaun White. Sorry. Sorry, Deshaun uh, White. Uh, but, you know, we all kind of were expecting, you know, things from McGuay, as we talked about, and stuff. Sure. But, but guys... No defense is going to be good without a good defensive line. And, I mean, to me, that's still the, you know, safe, safety is a big question. But to me, defensive line, much bigger concern in terms of, is Jeffrey Johnson going to be a difference maker? Like, does Jordan Kelly finally come through? Isaiah Coe, I mean, we've seen bits, that's, that's, pieces of flashes That's a name here. that I'm very interested in because he flashed at times a mm-hmm. year ago. Stutzman mentioned him yesterday as having a really good summer. I, I, Isaiah Coe is the one guy that I kind of look at going into this year. It's like, what kind of jump can he make? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of jump can a Corey Robertson make this year? And He's I like guy what that, I saw at a Corey Robertson we were, last we year. We were pretty high on him after his freshman season. He would have moments. Was it the Bedlam game that he had a couple really nice plays? I remember we'd be doing the Isaiah Thomas show, and I'd be cutting up clips, and like he'd show up all over the field. Like sure. He would run sideline to sideline. and I mean, we never really discussed it, but... I basically should have just asked him every week, like, why doesn't Coy Robertson play more? I don't get it. Yeah. Well, and why didn't anybody besides Perry on Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas play at defensive tackle? Should have been the question last and year. One, and one of the names that I think everybody wants to talk about, and he was there yesterday, Bob, is Jalen Redman. Well, I, I mean, had like, a good what, talk what with him. What are you going to get out really of Really good talk with Redman. He sounds for the first time physically and mentally in the right spot. In the right place, and he first time matching up since yeah, like high school. Really. Yeah, he's like, it's been a long road to get to where I am because there's times where I've been physically healthy but not mentally healthy, or I've been mentally good but physically I I wasn't good. You had to come to grips, like we know about gaining all that weight because he thought he'd be Oboe 2.0. There's no doubt about that. That's what he thought his role was going to be when 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 he came in, and instead now he's an interior guy. He's legitimate defensive tackle he just became a dad so he said that really woke him up and has like made him mature and it's helped him as a football player too so he just sounds like for the first time in a long time he's mentally physically ready to go now it's just about can he make it through camp healthy so that we can finally see that during the season in a way it's it's almost like two-sided it's like let him have a light preseason. But at the same time, he's played so little football over the last three years. He needs to continue to develop and work with Todd Bates. Like, he's, he's one of those guys that I think is a big winner when you talk about, like, I, we've always talked about it, but think back to uh, talking to Jordan Kelly, like the second week of spring. He's like, I've learned more technique-wise from Jay, Todd Bates in two weeks than I, ha- than I have in three years. Piggybacked off, uh, off of that with Redmond yesterday. He said the same same thing. It's like I was surprised to know what I didn't know. Sure. When it came to just the fundamentals, the techniques, 
And so he's definitely. We need, we need up. like a sound effect every time a shot is fired at the former staff on this pod. I think like boom, 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 <laughs> a little western or something. Maybe like a little uh, when you lose the game on the prices, right? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. I got a great one from Reggie Grimes. I'll transcribe and put on the board today. It was phenomenal. He was talking about the dysfunction and how you don't know it in the moment, but when you look back and you realize it, and it, it's a tremendous answer. What, what is realistic expectation-wise for you, Josh, when you're talking about the defensive line? You know, I think, Eddie, you and I are on the same page. I, Isaiah Coe last year was one of the mysteries to me. I could never understand why Isaiah Coe didn't get more run. Every time I saw him on the field, I thought the guy was making plays. And I, I think there's talent there. I, you know, somebody, I was actually just answering a question, uh, kind of finishing up board chat. Um, uh, of, you know, what transfer outside of, uh, Dylan Gabriel might be the biggest impact guy. I think Jonah Lalu, I'm not sure I'm going to say that right, but the, the big defensive end transfer from Hawaii. I just never mention him because I can't say his La name. Lalulu. Lalulu? Lalulu. Lalulu. There's only two La-ulu. U's. La-ulu. Okay. Can I add an extra okay. L or U? Lalulu. Yeah. yeah. Jonah Lalulu. I can do that. Yes. He and Josh I, Ellison I, I are I both love. guys I forget about all the time. And he's been eating I, it, at Mo Betta's like every day <laughs> for a week. He's actually, turning Hawaiian on I us. I went once and I thought it was terrible. Really? Oh, yes. no. Oh, no. We need Dylan's take mm, on it. Well, I, I, I don't. That, that seems like one of those places that he's like, no, I don't. You don't that, take Dylan to. That's, that it is, doesn't seem like that. It, it, it seems like Americanized Hawaiian food. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like going to uh, like a, a fine, like you want to go to Oshaval in Chicago for a burger and then ended up at Burger King. <laughs> I, I, that would be like the yeah, take away that pod sponsorship. What? Seriously, you're just killing sponsorships here, Eddie. No, but I will be better for it. <laughs> America first. Uh, but, but no, I mean, I, I think it's capable. <laughs> God, I think it's capable of being a really solid group. It's not cup bop. Cup bop is Korean barbecue. We're yeah. talking about Mo Betta. I know, but I'm saying if you want to go after somebody, go after Cup Bop. They're well, really I, not American. Actually, they're Utah. I don't know if that's America or not. Haven't had it. Is this racist moment in a while? Mm, I'm watching under the banner of heaven. It, it could be that was phenomenal. That Loved it. Of, Loved of it. The United States. So is that the one Woo! where the people fall in love in volcanoes? No, it's Andrew Garfield. Uh, it, it's the. It, it's about the book by a guy named John Krakauer. Tremendous. Um, yeah, it's the the book is unbelievable. I haven't. I'm just now watching the show um, about this murder of uh, a Mormon family and how it kind of all played out and was, and it kind of connects back to the history. It, it's, it's wild. Like it, he, it really is. That's what the jets are trying things. to do to Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed that Josh and Bob are kind of becoming the same person? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just, maybe it's a kid thing. Well, I guarantee Bob probably has to watch it like I do, where it's like paused. Okay, children in the room. Okay, yeah, back on. Yes, you, okay, you, that is you cannot like, watch uh, it with kids. Yep. That's for sure. No, no, there's some stuff that they like. And my my four year old today is like, why can't I watch that with you? I'm like, you, you you don't need to see this. But but why? It's not fair that you can watch it. And I'm like, you're too young to be having the it's not fair thing. So that that's that's my life. A little little, little dad talk there. Um, but if we could get this train back on the tracks, the, the defensive line group, I, I think it, I think it's good. I think it's a good, solid group. I think it's going to be very good, probably against the run, uh, the way it's set up, the size that they're bringing into it. Uh, guys like Bates and Chavis, I feel like they're going to be very fundamentally sound. 
To me, the question is pass rush. I, I, I don't know if Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes are, are either one of those guys like a 10 sack guy. I, I don't know. Like maybe. Uh, to me, stripling. Doubt Ethan Grounds. Ethan I, Downs. Even more. You know, to his credit, Nate Downs apparently never heard any of it. And then somebody like <laughs> brought it to his attention on Twitter. And he was like, You were doubting him? And I was like, I, I thought he was a tackle. Like, I just, I had questions. Like, and I was honest about it. Like, I didn't try to be like, Oh, no. no which we know some sleaze balls out there that would absolutely play that up. But, um, no, I mean, I, I, like I said, and guys, like I, I, I can't lie. I heard Gabe and Teddy talking about boy, he's getting big. We, maybe he slides inside. I'm like, yes, yes, that's what <laughs> I've been talking be right. about all along. So let me be right. That, that doesn't matter what's best for Ethan. It's about me being right, and that's what we're all here for. Um, but no, like I, I think Marcus Stripling may be the key to that yeah. defensive line. Yep. Like they, that's... they need him to be a guy who can consistently create pressure. Need the Oregon version of Stripling. I mean, did, yeah. Does anybody? It seems like nobody remembers that. Like everybody. No, it. Like I. No, he was that great. game. It was so yeah. much about Bob and Brent and the handoff and the whole thing, but people forget. Like Jalil Farouk was outstanding that night. Marcus Stripling had a great game. There were several storylines that I think people have forgotten because so much has happened. It it is one of those things, and I think we've talked about it over the the course of the summer. Is just the fact that like where did that guy come from? It seemed like he was a completely different player once that you know quote unquote change or whatever that was, or maybe it was just sheer having an opportunity to get out onto the field uh, because some some guys you know weren't playing in the game because they had declared and stuff like that. But you know it is interesting that we've sat here and listed off nine or ten guys on the defensive line and. You know, it's kind of one of those things at the beginning of the preseason that quickly that number gets whittled down, whether it be injury or just sheer attrition throughout the season. And like, who are going to be some of those mainstays? And it's hard to get away from that main rotation of Reggie Grimes, Jeffrey Johnson, Stripling, Ethan Downs, Redman. Uh, you know, Redmond. I would throw Jonah in there because he's played a little bit because he has that experience. And that's why I keep going back to the, the amount of transfers that they brought in. I mean, when we're talking about like the 10 guys that they brought in, I could legitimately make an argument that seven or eight of those guys are not big contributors, but contributors at some point this season outside of the Dylan Gabriels of the world. And the one that might not do it this year, but long-term, Tyler Guyton, man, yeah. there's a lot to yeah, love. Yeah, there was there. a lot of there was a lot of love for him. It was a bad was a day for Bray buzz. Walker yesterday, but yes, a really was. good day for Tyler Guyton and talking to Bill Beatenbo. Yes, I mean it, it is what it is. It's like it's kind of like I posted on the board. It, it's kind of on us if you're expecting like a major change for Bray. Great kid, you want him part and of the Bill's program, but I don't think that he's necessarily a guy that is Bill's never that said guy. anything that 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 should allow you to have you know any kind of expectation level for Bray. Yeah. Just never Bill asked. didn't say anything yesterday yeah. to change it. He's a great kid. Love him. Love him. But You never want to start with great kid. <laughs> love him. Yeah, that's never a good sign. <laughs> great kid. Love like, him. You almost but. rather he's a real piece of shit, but God, he can play football. You know, like. <laughs> well, Eddie, says, Eddie is worried about the, the lack of arrests this offseason. I mean, it, it's been a surprisingly quiet summer on this front. And, uh, you know. I wanted to ask that in some facet because I do think that like when you talk about the the success that they've had in the recruiting, and I know that we'll talk about that during the recruiting portion of this, 
but there is like this idea and this culture that they're selling on the road to recruits that they've sold to the guys in the locker room that I think plays a big role in what is being built right now as far as the new staff goes. I mean, just the the ability to go through a summer without anybody getting in trouble is kind of sort of, of amazing. I, we were taking videos off of uh, Vimeo the other day and we're transferring over to the server or whatever. And it's just like, even going back to 2012 and that uh, summer caravan with Bob up in Tulsa, like the first questions out of the gate was, so what are you get, what are you going to do with the players that were arrested over the uh, over the course of the summer? Are they suspended for the opener? And it was just like that hasn't happened. They haven't put themselves into that position. Oh, was that like Jazz Reynolds and Quentin Hayes and stuff? I couldn't remember in 2012. That was, I mean, going into the yeah. the the Insight Bowl that year, that was like Quentin Hayes and Jazz Reynolds and I think Kareem uh, Jack. Green Jackson, is it Jackson? Camille? Camille Jackson, that, who is now a coach. That, yeah, I saw a thing for his camp or something on floating around on Twitter. One Quentin, uh, not Quentin Hayes, uh, James Haynes. James Haynes, that was the guy that yeah, got kicked yeah. off, yeah. Yeah. But Quentin, he was, Quentin had, mm-hmm. he had problems early in his career, but he straightened up. Correct, yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, Jazz was kind of, for about three years, he was just a shithead. <laughs> Mm. And, I mean, and, and then you had the Trey Matwire stuff. I mean, shortly after that, something happened with Trey Matwire. That's that's news. Who who knew about that? That's wild. It's a well, fun story. It's a. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a children's tale. He's he's when probably you get your hands on it. He's probably behind. Oh, no, I knew. Remember when? Uh, remember when Jay Norvell Jay, Jay made Norvell, the comment about that? Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's. Norvell have we checked best. to see that he wasn't behind the masseuse stuff? Helping Deshaun Watson? He's like his personal assistant now. Yeah. I don't know what he's up to. I was talk we were talking about that out on the golf course a couple of days ago about uh Matwire. I have no idea. You could sell me on just about anything right now. <sighs> that was and that was such a wild recruitment with the whole thing where he goes out to Hargrave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was so like it was never easy with Trey. Like and then I, I'm going to let somebody fill in the pun there that, that's listening at home. I'll hear about this on the thread on the board. But I mean, it get was a just, pen, write it down. I mean, it, it literally almost was the definition of Brent Venable. Somehow, you recruit your own problems. Sure, like you know that that, and it. it I, I never got a bad vibe from Trey at all. So, like, I don't want to present it like, oh, you should have seen that coming. Like, that's not what I'm saying. The problem just, that I always had with it is that those players weren't good enough to be problems. Yes. Jazz Reynolds yep. wasn't good enough to be a problem. And, and it you did kind of slip into that period where Bob wasn't recruiting as well. And and he was recruiting guys that were probably... That was... I mean, that's kind of when you could tell the staff had kind of run its course. Well, and I, I, yep. you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, but it's like, I think that 2012, 2013, 2014 period kind of led into the decision to keep mixing around. Like because they needed that, oh yeah, they needed yeah. to get back into that that mix. They, they needed just that. Give up a five star, right? And yep. you know, obviously that was kind of the. I don't know if it was the beginning of the end, but it was. It certainly all played a part into the decision that was made in 2016, and here we are today. Well, I mean, Mixon was what probably the most elite talent they'd had on campus since the McCoy Bradford group. Yes. Well, and that, I mean, that was remember that followed the Sugar Bowl, the win over Alabama. So yeah. that was the first time they'd really had momentum. Yeah, uh, you had Frank Shannon, D, DGB, you had Mixon, you had a whole bunch of stuff yeah. going yeah. into 2014. That was it was wild. 
absolutely insane. I mean, I remember, 2014 didn't work out perfectly. Well, and I, I remember we made that drive from uh, New Orleans over to San Antonio for Mixon's commitment and met Josh over mm-hmm. there. And that was like the first time in what seemed like forever because you had, had been in that 2012, 2013 waste period where it was in, you know, waste period. They were still winning at a high level. But at the same time, that was the first time that it felt like I remember having that conversation on the way to San Antonio. It's like, this is the first time in a long time that it feels like there's positive momentum within the program. And then Amelia Molander opened her mouth. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know. Eight years the, ago. That's crazy. It is. That's wild. Well, it's even crazier that somebody asked me on Twitter last night. It's like, who's the better offense, 2017 or 2008 or something like that. And I, like, I went back and I was looking at the rosters. It's like, holy shit. How long has Mixon been gone from Oklahoma? <laughs> it's wild. I think it's almost stranger that Pickleman still exists. Pickleman is good. I mean, it is good. That's how that's He's how it exists. That's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Because it. I mean, like, literally, my idiot brother's an OSU fan. He came down to Campus Corner just to get a picture in front of Pickleman's one time. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes. It's amazing. That's a pretty common thing, actually. I think he pretended like he was punching one of his kids. When oh he did God. It. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. That's. Hey, there's a line on this That's podcast. I said, you just idiot stepped over. Brother. I said, idiot brother for a reason. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, I'm, the li- I'm the line stepper. No, it's... Uh, I don't even know how we got down this uh, this rabbit hole, but it, it is... talent level. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I the talking about the five stars and uh, recruiting your own problems, the, the quote from Todd Bates yesterday Todd Bates, was amazing. Yep. Yep. Talking about, you, you know... Yeah, that really was... Basically, one five-star can... I don't want to say derail a program, but he can step it back. He can add problems. You can recruit your problems, like you said. You recruit said, the wrong five star. Sure. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna haunt you every day. It does seem well, like he. Go ahead, Josh. Any guy like that walks in with a lot of credibility amongst his peers. Like they're like, oh, he's good. He's got this evaluate. Like I mean, the kids pay attention to that. Like they can say they don't, they don't care, whatever. Big five star walks in, people are watching him. If he's acting like a shithead and being a problem, that's a negative. Like, it's more noticeable than a three star coming in with a bad attitude just because there are more eyes on him. Yeah, but I, I think basically what he was saying, though, is character matters. Sure. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. And it can, yeah. it can destroy your program if you don't stay focused on that above talent. Are guys more fit? I guess I say this, and I'm, I'm trying to think like, you know the bridges and the the, the the Jaden Hazelwood that didn't work out very well at Oklahoma and still good at Arkansas. But like, are guys more fit to handle that kind of stuff nowadays? Especially with NIL, especially with the attention that they get in high school. Like, it's just not as much it seems as maybe it was even five years ago. Are they more fit? Well, just to be under that spotlight, like, under yeah. that oh, under that five star spotlight, knowing that they have to come to campus. And you're basically being asked to perform, especially if you're an early enrollee from day one. I feel like you hear less of that stuff. Sure. Like less of this guy just wouldn't buy in. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It still exists. Oh, yeah. But it's not nearly as much as like that kid never left high school. You know, like you, that, that kind of stuff doesn't come up as much because th- these guys are starting to see themselves as businesses. Like this is... This is the next step to go where I want to go and do what I want to do rather than, man, I made it. Like, the, 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 it's just a, it's a ladder to climb, and they, they recognize this is the next evolution. 
Uh, you mentioned something about NIL and Jaden Hazelwood. I don't know if you guys saw the story. I want to talk about this. Uh, but first off, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, use that promo code SCOOP, and you get 25% off your total order. Uh, we love these socks. Uh, we are close to having video, and I, I think most of our Dead Socks commercials, we're just going to throw socks at the cameras. I think that's all we'll do. Uh, there's, I mean, super soft, People super light. Uh, the no-shows. I mean, like I'm looking on their website right now. You can get a, a Luna 3-pack black no-show socks for 30 bucks. I mean, that's pretty good. And uh, I need to get... Someone pointed out the other day in a picture I wasn't wearing my no-shows, and I felt kind of embarrassed about it. I would um, be. You should be. I know. I am. I'm embarrassed about a lot of things lately. Uh, but, yeah, the boardroom, the college. I mean, if you guys haven't seen the Oklahoma College Collection, uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, go check it out. They've got uh, stuff really for for anyone and uh, whatever your tastes are. DeadSoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, and, as always, stay soxy. Now, the NIL stuff, and, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. There's a really good story written by Dennis Dodd. Uh, I just said it. I'm off. Eddie, Eddie, it's okay. It's Eddie okay. just bristled. <laughs> Time stands still. Was it the squirrel, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while? Time stands still and the Even end is near. broken clock is right twice, That's right. twice a day. Oh, there you go, Bob. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was an article. It, in, I'd seen this on, HBO, on Real Sports on HBO. Uh, there's this company, Eddie, I think we've talked about We this. talked about this yesterday. Okay. Uh, so they're like a futures, almost like a, it's almost like a, what they do is they go out and they, they started by going to minor league baseball players who were notoriously not making much money. And they said, look, we will pay you this amount. If you make it to the major leagues, then we get a portion of your future earnings. And depending on how much money they would give them, they could get like 15% back from their future earnings. So all these guys without any money would be like, okay. And these guys actually signed Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was in double A ball. So when he got his $340 million contract, they got a nice chunk of that. Uh, and his dad was like all for it. Like, you know, his dad made like $18 million when he played ball. And his dad was actually for him taking this deal from this um, big league uh I can't remember the, what the A stands for, BLA. So anyway, they've gotten into the NIL game now. Uh, who is it? Nolan Smith is at the linebacker from Georgia. Yes. Like he's okay. their primetime client. Okay. So Big league advantage. Big league advantage. And so I, they didn't say in the article how much they're paying him. I think some of, I think Dodd had to keep some information out just to be able to, you know, be a, in, on the inside of this Zoom meeting they were having. Um, but he's part of it. And you know who else they mentioned as part of it in the article? Jaden Hazelwood. And he's always been really at the forefront. Like, he was doing NFT stuff. Like, I think, it, well, his dad's a big entrepreneur. Like, I remember dealing with him a little bit coming out of high school. So he's into marketing and, you know, things that are, you know, like NFTs and all that stuff. So I just thought it was really interesting. But there is a part of me, too, that's like, Really, this is NIL? Like, and they're, they're saying, like, they have to do appearances and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, in order to, to earn the money. Like, I think they do something every week or something like that. But anyway, I read that article and I was just like, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Because, I mean, 
this stuff is still advancing. And I, everybody on the board has been asking, like, well, there's these three things now. There's uh, Dusty and Gabe's, and there's this uh, Norman NIL, and then there's the Boom Crew. And they were asking my opinion. I answered last night, like, what I think people should support. Um, I didn't mean to get in this on the radio, but, like, the thing about it is, is, like, us and what we're doing, like, we're setting a foundation to be able to do some of that stuff. These are groups that are just coming in and saying, we don't have any money, but if you give us money, we'll, we'll give it to players through Zooms. And they're all doing the same thing. It's like, there's not really a whole lot of imagination. In it. And the problem with OU is, they, not problem, but the one thing that OU in, in a, the football program, the fans, the boosters, whatever, that hasn't been established is, they haven't had that big pool of money. And I think even the one Oklahoma thing with Barry Switzer, like they were trying to raise money. Like they were actually, when they were announced, they had a donation link. So it's just still crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, NIL. That's still what's out there. And it'll continue to go. If you want to do it, do it. I would be careful if someone is not really upfront with how much the players get. For instance, like with the Boom Crew thing, that's a player's lounge. That's a... a bunch of Georgia guys, Aaron Murray's behind it. Like they started with Georgia. These are just, a lot of these are just businesses that are coming in. They're wanting to make money. They're not so much. It, they're, I'm not it's saying not they're about OU. Yeah. They're not using about the players. Yeah. I mean, they're not, I don't want to say they're using the players, but they're using NIL as a ways to start a company and make money. It's not about taking care of the players. It's not OU people doing it. Uh, and, you know, they're not really announcing, like, we're taking half of the money you're giving. Like, that's way too much. Way too much. It shouldn't be a business. I mean, and it's going to be, but I don't know. I just, I have a problem with that. I, I, I want to know how much those NIL companies that want crowdsourcing, I want, I want people to ask the question, like, well, how much of this is really going to the players? So that, that I mean, that's my only thing about watching that stuff. Or, or just paying attention to that stuff. That wasn't brought up one time yesterday with, I'm glad. with, with I me, mean, Eddie. I, I don't know if you had it in any of your breakouts as we were dividing and conquering across, but I not one question. Never really came up. Nope. It was, I was actually kind of surprised. It was a lot of football talk. A yes. lot of, uh, but I think that it, it makes a lot of sense just with all the kind of question marks that are going into the season and. Uh, the newness of everybody and the newness of the guys that we were talking to yesterday, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it just never really came up. I could see it coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Now, let me let me get into the schedule here because um, I think that's confusing too because people see media day and they think, oh, okay, they're out on the football field now. That's not the case. Like, we will, what is it, the 8th, I believe? Monday. Monday. Yes. Mon so yeah, the 8th, yeah. That's when we'll get to go out there. Photo, um, video. Do photo, video, watch a little bit, depending on how much Brent lets us watch. But that's when this all starts. So R they're not practicing right now. Until Friday. They, they Until Friday. They report, yes. Thursday yeah. they report Thursday on the field Friday. Right. So that's my error. Ven you know, Venables kept saying August 4th, mm -hmm. August 4th. That's just, that's report day. Yes. They, they practice Friday. I noticed I was going through, like, the YouTube thing, and I was tagging, like, practice starts on August 4th, and I went back and I changed it because I was like, that's technically not true. They report on Thursday, and then uh, practice will begin, and we'll get out there on Monday with the first taste. I think we're going to be able to get out there once a week during the uh, the preseason, at least, uh, to get video and 
photos and all that kind of stuff. So that I can be a see good the, deal. the first couple weeks, and then I wonder how they monitor as you get closer to game prep as yeah. opposed to just camp. School starts twenty second down here. I Usually think. Usually so somewhere around there. You'll have what two? You'll have basically three. Oh, two three. weeks in between twenty second yeah. and the third. Yep. And then you always have that deal where 29th, yeah, NCAA yep. rules like make you practice so many days before you can put on pads. Yep. Before yep. you mm-hmm. can put on. I wonder. Yeah, I think Monday they shouldn't. They, I don't think they'll be in pads yet. Probably maybe shells. Maybe shells at that point. I bet you can get into shells. Which shells are just 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 shoulder pads. Yeah. And, yeah. Because I think uh, I asked Joe John yesterday if Daniel Parker has like a uh, countdown calendar in the uh, tight ends room for uh, for contact, and I saw that he was talking about it on Twitter last night as well. Um, it, it, it's funny, like how many, and I could probably, it would take me forever to go back and find like every time the word physical was said yesterday, mm-hmm. but I would bet it was over conservatively. I bet it'd be over 25 times that it was said by somebody, uh, in just an insinuation of they need to be more physical, just a straight up. They need to be more physical. That's like, it was like almost a echo chamber from the message boards and from Twitter and stuff. It's like, they've heard it loud and clear. They need to be more physical. But it just doesn't happen overnight, does it? What I find interesting about that is, so I'm not making this about anything else other than football, but, you know, Art Bryles came from Stephenville. He went straight from Stephenville to Tech, right, Josh? Is that, was he the head coach at Mm -hmm. Stephenville and then he went to Tech? Yep, that's correct. Uh, and so he was there starting in the Mike Leach system, broke off from it. And I have, I have to think that he saw Mike Leach in the way he didn't value running the football and, and always to himself was like, that's something that we've got to do more. Sure. Like it, at this level, you've got to be physical uh, and you have to be committed to the run. And I think that's something that Jeff took from Art and Kendall took from Art, but Mike, you know, Mike Leach was a guy that just, he was willy nilly about running the football. And uh, you remember when Lincoln Riley came in here, he had a hard time. I mean, Bob had to, I I was talking about this the other day, like Bob basically was able to get in Lincoln's ear to remind him like, run the football, run the football, run the, and then when he lost that, he tended to get pass heavy. And, you know, he, I think Lincoln's biggest fault was when he'd get behind and behind the chains he always wanted to pass where sometimes Bob could get in his ear and say, you know, I know it's third and eight, but they're dropping eight. Like mm-hmm. let's run the ball and blow them off the line. Uh, you're not going to have that problem with Jeff Levy because he comes right. from the school of it being physical. You look at the, the run versus pass, you know, percentages with him, very run heavy. Like, and I got to think Bill Biedenboe really enjoys that as well because I think he's been a guy that's like, you know, look at the strength coach. Look sure. at the play calling. Like, you haven't put me in a position to succeed as an offensive line coach. Well, the, the one constant in getting back to, like, what they were in the early 2000s, it's Jerry Schmidt. And, like, that was, like, that secondary storyline in talking about ye- uh, yesterday and getting back to a physicality on the up front and getting north-south, not as much movement east-west on the field in the run game. But... It's all a mentality, and I think that that was the one thing that was suppressed upon me is not the sheer amount of weight that those guys are moving during the summer. It's a mentality of playing physical, being physical, getting through the hard times of the summer and what Jerry Schmidt entails. 
we okay? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. I was worried. I got I my heart. My I, heart dropped for a second. I was worried that he was checking I was if we were recording. You. That's why I thought you're. No, your look I, I, your face was well, like, I saw you looking recording. At, I saw you looking at the recording. Thing. I just I wanted like, to see oh, how shit. far into the pod we were. So. No. It, no. And it, it was. It. It just is. It, it all kind of goes together, though. And you talk about the relationship, Bob. You wrote about it this morning. Uh, about Jeff Levy and Bill Biedenboe and you know their connection goes all the way back to when Bill recruited him uh, out of high school. I think it's important. That kind of stuff is important. And we've said it time and time again on this podcast. And Gary, I know that we both said it on the radio. I think if there's anybody on the offensive side of the football that has benefited more from a new offensive coordinator and not just an offense coordinator, but an offense coordinator that has played the offense, that has played offensive line, it's, it's Bill Biedenboe. Like he just seems... I know it's easy to sit here and say, but he just seems, seems happy. happy. Oh yes, God. I mean, <laughs> seems he happy just seems again. happy with you the can't direction. tell by any picture. <laughs> he's still not smiling, but he looks. He does. He no, well, happier. and it's also that it, he doesn't just have Jeff Levy, but he has Joe John, who's been there forever. He has Demarco, who we all know. If anybody's going to value sure. running the football, it's going to be Demarco. Sure, like everyone on the offense is committed to running the football, even Kale Gundy. So oh, yeah. that's why I, I even go back to like some of the stuff that Demarco said, like. Uh, the uh, the Tawi Walker kid, he he might have a role in this offense somehow. With as much as they want to be able to have a you know quote unquote pounding running game, like mm-hmm. get well, those the, get like, those tough yards. This morning, like you know, my Spinozzi, my super fan that I do a show with, like he was upset because uh, Eric Gray was getting so much love, and I was like, look. I'm not saying that Why? Eric Gray is going to be the feature back and he's going to run the ball all the time. Like I think he they're is. just well, I'm but I'm saying he's not gonna be the only guy. Oh like, no. When no. they need I gotcha. When they need, you know, and it's I mean, they might go double backs. I mean, you could see that. I, I could imagine you seeing that. But what I'm saying is they're praising Eric Gray because this running back room is so inexperienced. They mm-hmm. need someone. It's a, me- it's a mess. They need some. It's been, I mean, all the departures and the problems and all. I mean, like, they don't have a stabilizing force in that room, like, to tell them how important it is to study film, to to tell them how important it is to, to pick up your blocks and blitz. Like, he is a guy that helps stabilize, bring some leadership to that room. And we all remember, you know, the... Josh, you remember this? Like there were rumors everywhere, and we couldn't figure out where they were coming from. Him transferring back to Tennessee. Oh yeah, and then like, and, and it was. I remember at one point they were like, "Well, there's some talk that the the coaching staff isn't happy." And literally the day that rumor came out, his high school coaching staff was at the all home descended home. on Norman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, "Yeah, I think maybe this one's not right." And then it turned into, "Oh, just wait for spring ball to be over, and then he's transferring." It's like, no, sorry, people. Yeah, but it is interesting because he just one year in the program, and now he goes from new the 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 new kid to being the leader, and he has to be. Just, and guess what? If that offensive line's better, he's going to be better between the tackles. Because I mean, he's he's he was efficient as a third down back last year, and that's about the most you got from. But the I, offensive line wasn't great. I, it, it's one hundred percent like a a cop-out, I guess, on my part, but I almost give him a free pass for how weird everything was yes. offensively yep. last year. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what Eric Gray... Let's judge Eric Gray in November as opposed to what, yeah. like, we saw last year. It was just... The offense was so discombobulated last year that <laughs> it just... It was f***ed up. 
Can we? I, I just want that to be a like we need that social on social media teams. Yeah, discombobulated. Yes. Yes. I think you discombobulated. said discombobulated. Pop. I think Discombob- there's a pop in there. No, discombobulated. That time we got it. Yeah, you got, you got it. Yeah, the other time. My tongue got the tied. Fir- <laughs> you should go back and listen, Eddie. That was a, that was one for the ages. That My was, tongue got weird. tied for a second. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving him a free pass. God damn it! All right. <laughs> I, you know, but I, I I think that's fair. And Eddie, Carrie, you kind of touched on it too. There, if he if it's better between the tackles, he's going to automatically be better. And I know that seems obvious. But he's one of those guys, like, he's got quick feet and he wants to bounce a little bit. And if, if you force that, then he's going to do it more than he should. And he gets into almost a rhythm of like, okay, I've got to, I've got to bounce this outside or I've got to do this. But if it's there for him, then he's making those moves five or six yards downfield where it's useful and helpful rather than allowing the, the pursuit to catch him. Well, so, I, I also I, felt like that running back room felt like, if they got a touch, they needed to do something with it yes, because they they didn't feel like they were going to just... They, Lincoln was never a guy that was going to go to the, the running game. I mean, he did it... What was that game they came back in uh, where they scored on the ground? Or they, they kind of iced it that... They iced it with a series that it was almost like eight plays, eight straight oh, running they, plays on uh, the ground. Was it a yeah. West Virginia game? It might have been Nebraska. No, it no, wasn't Nebraska. No, because Nebraska, everybody was saying they should have, and they just wouldn't <laughs> do it. They kept throwing the damn ball. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to what you – I was looking it up earlier because I knew I'd look this up. Levy's about a 58% run guy. Yeah. Like uh, his numbers. And uh, Riley last year was about 52. So that kind of gives you an idea. He ran 45 times a game last year for Ole Miss, and Riley was at 34. Now, they ran more plays – so there's some variance there, but that kind of gives you an idea. Of, I mean, these guys are going to get opportunities. But remember how ridiculous yards per play were than yards per carry? Like, I'd be interested to know the yards per carry between Ole Miss and, and Oklahoma last year. I think it was okay. I, is Iowa State. But it didn't matter because Purdy still led a dramatic comeback. But I, I think, think, you're right. I think there was, was a point yeah. where they gave it to Brooks like eight straight times. Uh, Ole Miss was 4.8 yards per uh, carry on the ground, and Oklahoma was 5.5. God damn, I, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it was. The, I mean, there were yep. times it was. Guys, I mean, think I how mean, long I mean, we watched them. I guess them. Kennedy, Kennedy Brooks. I mean, we're forgetting all you know the Texas yep. game last year and no, all that. It, I mean, I mean it, it, it's truly like we're victims of the moment, though, because so used to 17, 18, 19, where they're throwing up just ridiculous numbers, even as much as everybody was struggling last year you look up and oh you still had a top 25 offense oh you know? yeah it, it, like there i think the perspective on that is just so skewed because everything had been so historically abnormal for three or four years prior to that because they stopped having nine like 80 90 plays sure so it's shrunk you know you're only getting 56 you know 60 plays you're taking away chances to but that just goes to show yards. you it just goes to show you though like it was Iowa State where they did that, where they play their infamous, infamously play the umbrella defense, uh, and you know, like take advantage of that. But you don't. When teams started doing it, just random teams dropping eight and rushing three, like he never seemed to really take. I mean, there's so many times in games last year where you looked and you're like, just run the damn ball, Lincoln. Like there's yeah. only three guys rushing. It always felt he just stubborn, and he felt he had the perfect play that. Had to, there's no way this wasn't going to work, and he was going to force that until I would say, yeah, I would, I would say this, Josh, and this is kind of one of those analytics things that I don't have the answer to. But 
Like, how many times Lincoln Riley threw the ball facing a three-man front? Like, that would be the analytic that I would want to see compared to, like, Ole Miss or any other team. Uh, I'm going to use some really heavy analytics here and say a lot. Just a lot <laughs> is, is my analytic, analytical analysis. So, anyway. It, mm. Uh, okay, so I don't know anything yesterday. That you, you know, else that I, stood out to you guys that you wanted to hit on? Really enjoyed talking to Jay Valai. I thought it was interesting that he threw it out there. Maybe I've, my head's been in the sand on this, but Jaden Rowe working exclusively at cornerback to start the season, at, at least to start. And okay, then we'll, we'll see I, where things go. I, I guess I knew that, but when he talked about it and just you know how fast that kid is, I think it's been out there on the internet or on social media. Just. Like I think that uh, Valai or my was it Valai yesterday that said he's De- maybe the second fastest Murray, guy behind Sawchuck. M- Murray was talking oh, was about DeMarco. Gavin, okay, and then brought uh, up Jaden. I mean, it's just like I'm really excited to see him out there. How does that work into the cornerback situation? But I mean, we 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 put it on the board. We put it on the YouTube page. Uh, I thought the conversation with Jay Valai was a lot of fun yesterday. He's He's going to be one of those guys. Like he's another one of those that you super can throw Bob Ross guys, and yeah. Dave Chappelle into. He's got a very he's got his talking point. I think he yeah. said B- Bob Ross four four different times, and like just depending on who who asked the question. I, I <laughs> thought that was great, and we're, you can wait, tell we're, like we're, we're, like we're talking Bob Ross the painter. Right? Yeah, Bob Ross the painter. Absolutely, you're oh, painting you're, you're painting the picture. Oh, the girls and I watch a lot of Bob Ross. I'm 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 all in on this. I need to I need to go back and watch that. Apparently, so is that after you trank them? Uh no, that's that is the trank. What are you talking like? That's the that's the work being done. Look at the pretty pincher girls, and they're both asleep on the couch within fifteen minutes. It's beautiful. So it's legalized tranquilizer. Yes, it's a legalized narcotic. Yeah, okay. Bob Ross. I mean that 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 man. That should be his name. Legal narcotic. Yes, I thought he was really good though, and I like it's hard to imagine what that cornerback rotation is going to be. I have I think no I idea. have an, a good idea. Like, I don't. You can put Woody in there. I think you can put you Woody put in Woody, there. You put Woody, that's it. And then, and then where are the other three, yeah. where and then the other it's four up to you to win from. the job, DJ Graham. Yeah. Guy, yeah. Guys, is there the same buzz about Kanai Walker that we were hearing in the spring? I mean, is, I, I haven't well, heard Well, there was never much. really any buzz in the spring other than us. I mean, well, okay. it's because Graham, Graham got hurt. So Kanai right. took all the reps. Yeah. That's okay. why you start to hear about him. I mean, we just thought that he looked really good. Like, I mean, you went out there and you're like, well, there's not a lot of corners that look like this at Oklahoma. Now there's two. Yeah. And I like see like where CJ Colden fit in because it's clear he's going to be a cornerback too. You don't transfer just to sit on the bench. So yeah, I that second corner spot, I have no idea. Jaden Davis, Trey Morrison. I mean, it, where does even a guy like a Bryson Washington who flashed at times in the spring fit into this whole safety situation? Well, I, and that's another perfect like coaching thing. Like you talk about you know, Todd Bates and what the players say, like, what do these players say about Jay Valai versus uh, Roy, Roy Manning? Manning yeah. I, I will tell you, the, a guy that was mentioned a couple times, and he's been mentioned a couple times now here before the start of the preseason, uh, you know, Jaden Rose, obviously a freshman that we've talked about a lot, but I think Gentry Williams, I'm, I'm very interested. Like, I feel like last year he was still – that in that moment of do I trust everything? Yes, in, in mentally, my knee? physically he everything? was there, but mentally he didn't have the trust. Yet. I'm interested to see what a full go Gentry Williams looks like because you know Josh, I think that he was a guy that going back to when they got his commitment and then obviously got his signing it was a massive, massive deal. 
I feel like he's kind of just flown under the radar a little bit. Uh, but that's probably not any of his doing. It's just because he wasn't there during the spring. Uh, you know, where does he fit into this whole cornerback rotation and or scheme? He got put to sleep by Bob Ross, apparently. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. All right. Well, f*** me. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, I didn't. I missed that that was being addressed to me. I had a uh, four-year-old come in needing a Tic Tac. So this is the life of a dad here. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I was. Yes. You want to say hi? Come here. Okay. Talking to the Hi. Hi, Layla. Hi. How are you? Hang on. Come here. Are you giving her headphones? No, you don't want the headphones on? All right. I thought she'd really talk with you guys, but no. She just wants to hear just herself. Just spread that, that disease like all over, Josh. Just, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that's Microphone, what headphones, just get mm-hmm. it everywhere. No, I, 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 yeah. I was just saying how quiet and under the radar a Gentry Williams has been. Yeah. It, it seemed like last year he really didn't trust himself fully on that knee coming off the ACL thing. And... Now that he's almost a you know a year and a half, two years in, I'm kind of excited to see if he can pick up to where I think a lot of people thought he would be. I am too, and I think what happened was there was a lot of because his ranking was so big coming in. There was, <laughs> yes, good lord, she eats everything. This is my so sorry, everybody listening. I know this is riveting as I open a little packet of biscuits. Go on, girl. Um, the uh, the thing with Gentry was I think a lot of people kind of overvalued where he was going to be. And last year, like you said, I don't think he was ever able to really push himself and get into rhythm and be the kind of player that his athleticism should make available to him, that, that he could be that kind of guy. So it hasn't gotten there yet, and I, he was still very raw. There was a lot for him to learn. I, I really think he's a guy that maybe next spring everybody's like, watch out. Like th- this guy could be special because – People are going to sl- go to sleep on him just a little bit because he's long and he's lean and he needs to get, you know, he's going to have to bulk up and do all the things that we understand. But the physical talent's still off the charts good. So, like I said, everybody needs to be a little patient with Gentry, but I think you're right, Eddie, that given just a little bit of time, he could absolutely be one of those guys that everybody's excited about, you know, a year from now. It's, I wish, it's I, just interesting talking about the defensive side of the football that, and again, I feel like we do this every year where you, you list off, you know, six, seven names at each position and it's going to be whittled down. But I don't know, maybe there's just a better belief right now that those guys are going to be developed. It's, it, it's kind of like we've got to the point in August where there's not a whole lot of shit that can be said. You got to go out and do it on the football field, but it does seem like, and again, it, it kind of goes back to yesterday and the one of the themes of media today. There's just so much positive momentum right now and belief in what the staff is putting together. And, you know, I, I think that in a way that kind of rolls into the recruiting side of things if we have no nothing else on the, on the team side to talk well, about. Well, I was just going to say, it is amazing that we're kind of doing a camp preview and we never mentioned receivers one time. Well, I, I, I mean, maybe we yeah. mentioned Jalil Farouk in the, in the against Oregon last year, but that was about it. I yeah, I, I I think that it's there are so many guys on in that at that position that like 
LV Bunkley Shelton's a guy that was talked about a lot yesterday. I, it's going to be fairly interesting to see how he fits in, what his role is exactly. Uh, you know, can a Jaden Gibson be a guy that picks up early? I think you know what you're going to get out of Marvin Mims. You know what you're going to probably at least hope to get out of a Theo Weiss. This is a put up or shut up year for him. Uh, you know, I, I'm almost more excited to see like some of the young guys and how they fit into the, the rotation. I, I will die on this hill. Gavin Freeman is going to play at some point. I've heard. I heard he had an amazing summer with Schmidt. He got. You the, think he'll he play got, this year? I, I, is that what you're predicting? Or I mean, it doesn't matter I think he's going to get an opportunity it? just because he's one of those guys that, as well as Dylan Gabriel, it, it sounds like throws the deep ball as much as he likes to throw the deep ball. As much as Jeff Levy likes to take shots downfield, Freeman is one of those guys that you can put it up and say, "Go get it, big boy." And he can chase it down. Like that is the, a good question, though. After everything we've been through, is redshirting still going to be a thing? Moving, are we going to get back to where you're concerned about whether someone redshirts or not? I don't know if the word redshirt will be used, but I think that for some guys, just from a maturity standpoint, like I mean, remember Morris even before technically the, redshirted last year, just because he wasn't ready, he wasn't prepared. Well, remember. You know, they changed that rule where you could play four games even mm-hmm. before COVID hit. So, That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you do have guys like Nick Benito that have just sat out kind of that freshman year, didn't dress up. Like, is that, you know, after the age of COVID, like, is that still going to be a thing? I'm curious. You need to see guys who just play the four and then come back stronger. Because we have a lot of examples of guys that red-shirted, like Creed Humphrey. Like, this was a, this was a question that was asked to Bill a, a lot about redshirting offensive linemen. He just Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey. Like he could, he just went through the list of of mm-hmm. all the guys. Like this is okay if you have a different mindset. Because when you redshirt, your mindset's different, right? You're not preparing to try to play. So are there guys who have played like three or four games and then actually came back the following year and looked really good? Like R. Mason Thomas, Alton Tarber. Those are guys that I would think are going to be redshirt technically candidates and i don't know how we got through the defensive line group without mentioning like kelvin gilliam's gonna play at some point yeah i mean they tried to play him some last year sure now i I do want to throw in i i hear good stuff on our mason thomas like it won't shock me at all if he's not gonna play really like okay he's impressed people this summer but he could he could play four games and sure yeah yeah yeah. i I don't know how far it goes but he'll get a sniff i guarantee it it will it, the wide receiver thing. If there was anything that, like, in terms of guys that are going to catch the football, it was interesting how much. And I talked to Joe John a little bit about this. His room is kind of fun in a way that there, because it's basically four guys that we think are going to play. Like, you look at Daniel Parker and Braden Willis as like the the older statesmen in the group, and then Jason McClellan. I mean. Uh, Lou Allen. Why did I say Jace McClellan? Same, and, uh, same school. And Caden uh, uh, Helms. It's like, those are the young, talented groups. Like, that's a very underrated room. I think they're going to use the tight end a lot. And they're obviously going to use Braden Willis. He's, he's kind of a, this is a big year for him, obviously. He yeah, came back I mean, for a this reason. This is why he came back, and he's got to be And I healthy. thought he should come back. Yes. I'm glad he realized it because I still, again, I felt the way he approached last season is this is my last go around. I'm going out, Jeremiah Hall. We're doing the pod. We're all leaving together. And I'm glad he came realization. No, I've got some unfinished business and I can be 
the guy for the first time since I've been here. I'm not doing the man crush thing on him this year. It didn't work last year, so I'm just going to. You can have a man crush on him. He just needs to produce. Well, in terms of guys that have been around the program, like I I think that uh, what was the term that uh, Lebby used yesterday? Steady Eddie's just as far as like Drake Stoops and and Marvin Drake. Like, how does am I crazy to think that like I remember thinking back to the Bethlehem game, like where the hell did that come from? Brian Darby is Brian Darby like a guy that fits in to this offense how many guys are they going to play? I think that's an interesting conversation. If you're going 80, 90 plays, those those receivers are going to get a lot more reps. I know that you've put some stuff up in Woke before about Nick Anderson, Josh. Like, I think he, he's going to eventually be a player, but is he ready tomorrow? I, I don't know. Uh, I hear Anderson and Gibson are kind of the same deal like with our Mason Thomas. Like, they're going to get a shot. Like, it's yeah. going to be... What do you do when the lights go on? Like if they may, if they're making plays and you know, and you know, and I know people will always look into like, well, they didn't score any touchdowns. Well, like, okay, are they hitting their assignments? Are they doing the things they're supposed to do? Not are, are they not a negative when they're on the field for us? If that's the case, those guys are going to play all season. I mean, like receivers, just not one of those positions where you've got to like, oh, you got to ease them in and give it time, especially a guy like Nick Anderson. We, we know that family. Like, dad could probably make it through Jerry Schmidt's summer workouts. Like, they are, like, they're, he is physically ready. Like, that's not going to be a problem for him. It's just about how quickly he picks everything up. But I know, again, those guys have both really impressed people. And I know in, and it's kind of a deal where Anderson, I feel like, may be a little more ready now. While Gibson might be the guy that everybody's like, man, watch in two years. That guy's going to be special. Sure. All right. Well, we've had the uh, the recruiting pod, emergency pod, uh, earlier this week, um, but uh, now here we are. I don't know that you know. I think you've spilled as many beans as you're going to spill, but I don't know. Has anything changed since uh, two days later, Josh? Come on, Monday, man. Yeah. This is the, back to the the the, the rankings. These people here, you trying to shut me down, Carrie. They hear what you're trying to do. The people know. The, the people truth. know. You don't want to. You don't want any recruiting talk. I hear you. Oh, I love no. it because I really uh, don't have to say anything. I just let let you, you and Bob go. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, I put up a, a woke this morning kind of talking about some of the stuff that's still out there. Like the Peyton Bowen situation gets more and more interesting. And I think with all that happened over the weekend, that really didn't get a lot of attention. You know, the, the Rivals 100 safety commitment, uh, Notre Dame commitment, uh, that came in, uh, obviously teammates with Jackson Arnold and Ryan Yates as well, who came in. Um, and I, I get the impression that maybe more than ever, uh, a decommitment from Notre Dame seems more possible. Like it, it seems like that's something that if you were going to say, okay, he sticks with Notre Dame or he decommits, I'm kind of leaning towards a decommitment being the more likely ending. Now, what that gets into is, it's probably Oklahoma or A&M at that point. Like, you'd have to see where he goes. And maybe Notre Dame's still involved. But if, if he's going to pull it all the way back at this point, it's probably going to be somewhere staying closer to home. A couple of the big storylines are obviously his younger brother, Eli. Um, Oklahoma has offered him, is recruiting him. A&M has not offered him, but is, is recruiting him. Um, I think those two are liking the idea more and more of playing together. And I think that may be a, a big chip in OU's favor. 
also, I mean, you know, we, we all saw it a couple years ago with Billy Bowman and Jada Coleman. Uh, again, you, you've got a um, a guy from the Denton area that is got a girlfriend that's going to be playing sports at Oklahoma, and I I get the impression she very much wants Peyton up there with her. What, so what does she play? She I, I think those player? are big soccer. for OU. Soccer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, she's a soccer player. So, okay. um, so I you know th- those are meaningful things for Oklahoma. I I don't think it makes it written in stone or anything like that because again he's still got a pull back from Notre Dame where I know uh his mother's you know always been very adamant about the academics there and you know all those things uh that that Notre Dame has to offer I, I know she's into that but it sounds like that conversation is becoming more plausible more reasonable um and then OU's gonna have to again you know and what's becoming it's kind of interesting OU hasn't had as many battles with Texas but a and is becoming a real battleground for OU over the last, you know, the David Hicks situation. You know, you look at some of these other guys, and it's it's a little more prevalent at times than, than Oklahoma and Texas. Better get this Sooner Scoop NIL going, I guess. <laughs> Drop your bag. Um, I'm not going to follow anybody the, um, into a bathroom. <laughs> that's, a, that's a solemn Sooner Scoop promise. That that will not happen on our watch. Um, yeah, we'll get handsy I guess with them before they. The other in. thing, <laughs> there, there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of questions about Malachi Coleman. You know, he's had all yeah. these tweets well, out he, the last he put few it days out there, with the Colton exactly. Basic stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he's kind of brought it into everybody's conversation, and you know, and actually, Kerry might have to dive in a little bit on this because I mean he he's heard some things, but there. There's no question the people around the state of Nebraska, around the University of Nebraska, think Malachi Coleman's going to Nebraska. They, yep. they don't really even think it's up for debate or question or whatever. Um, I, the I'm word used I think there's with, too many questions. Yeah, the word used recently from someone in Nebraska that I talked to was silent commitment. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's, that's, uh, that's all well that's and good. Talk. And, I mean, I know – we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about Oklahoma having a big weekend, and there's some rumors of that kind of thing going on for OU. I mean, Scott Frost might not be It's a very different world there. OU and Nebraska yeah. are living in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He could like, go what, to what OU if, Nebraska and watch the Sooners put up 50. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, Nebraska is like, well, you know, we played them tough in Norman. I'm like, you played some shell of a team. I don't know what you played, <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever else that that team was and this team was, the energy level is going to be very different. I'll personally guarantee that. So, like, we'll we'll see. I mean, again, maybe maybe it is a good game. I, I I'm not sure yet, but it is. Like I said, I I don't know how you could watch if OU can put together the kind of year we think they can, and Nebraska is. You know, even even if they qualify for a bowl, six and six or seven and five, like what about that direction is going to make you feel good as a player? I, you know, and may, maybe the in-state thing is too much to overcome, and if it is, it is. Well, but, but I mean, you got to you got to realize. Like I said, counting on anything is. Mm. Nebraska fans are probably just hearing all the national narratives, like, well, Oklahoma's down now, and they've got to rebuild, and sure. You know, it's not the same Oklahoma it ever you know used to be. I think that's one of the toughest games on the schedule. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I mean, it's a it's a critical. Mm-hmm. Somebody stopped me at the Seven Eleven the other day. That listens this big listener of the unofficial forty shout out. I wish I knew your name. Um, 
but he was asking me like, what's your loss total this year? And it's really the first time I've sat and thought about it, but everything hinges on that Nebraska game. Everything. I don't think yep. everything does, but I think that like the trajectory of everything does because that will be the moment that I think a lot of you would expect Oklahoma to get through UTEP. You would expect them to get through Kent State, but you go up to Lincoln and that's like that first adversity test mm-hmm. outside of well, that's kind of know, what I'm saying. I'm injury not, or whatever during the preseason. You have to shoot people in, on the team if they lose that game. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. But said you you could win ugly and it can give you an idea that this isn't a twelve and O T. Yeah, I think they're like a five mm-hmm. and a half, seven point favorite right now, depending on what book you check. Uh and especially yeah. it's almost bigger for Nebraska in terms of you get through that Dublin game, you get through the bullshit two games that they play the next two weeks uh going into that, and then like that's gonna be billed as like Nebraska's moment to put a stamp on we're back. Like that's that's Scott, Scott Frost, definitely. September 17th in Lincoln is Scott Frost's biggest game in maybe his career as a Cornhusker. And I'm talking about games that he played in as well. No. No. 100%. No. no. <laughs> his life's over if he loses that game. <laughs> I'm uh, serious. You know, it's not. I know that's like, I think it's a. It, it's not bigger than the national championship games, but it's a huge game huge. for him professionally mm-hmm. as a head coach. As a head coach, if you would have said as a head coach, I might have been with but you. But I better. wanted that to have a little bit more pizzazz, you know? A little bit they more weight beat on North, it. North, North, North he wanted first. people in Lincoln to be talking they, about this. They better beat Northwestern or they're going to leave his ass in Dublin. That's the thing with I being mean, in Nebraska. places to get left. That's the thing about Nebraska oh, no. fans, though. It's like they've seen... like. This is... They're, they're in a perpetual free fall of John Blake proportions. Like, yeah. It is, rest in peace. Um, it's like they think that they hit rock bottom, but then it gets worse. And I it all started I, I, with firing a coach that went nine and three in Frank Solich. Like it just, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's crazy to me. Oh God, they're, they're, missing the, they're missing the glory days of Bo Pelini. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pelini had a lot of success. Say what you want to. They, they legitimately got, got to a conference championship game. I mean, and, and we're leading what? What was it? Twenty-one-seven at halftime in that game. They were up like twenty to nothing against the Sooners. Right? Was it that much? Huh. Yeah, I mean, I still didn't think they were going to win in that game. For whatever reason, I just you know, thought like this is not dominant, and OU's played like shit. For OU, I, I think Bob's exactly right. Like you figure out where this team is with that game. Like, is this a legitimate team that can you know maybe make it to the playoff? If so, you need to go in and win that game decisively like you i mean and i'm not saying you're gonna go beat them by 40 points or anything but like you need to go in and win 38 20 or something like you need to put them away and it's not really you know as close as it might look for nebraska guys for me the with the where that program is and all the turmoil and the off-field stuff during the covid year and all that like does it feel like if ou went out there and jumped up 14 17 nothing like mid-second quarter there's a real like, uh, like I, I don't know. It feels like there's a real quit factor there for me. Like just everybody's like, oh, we were so up for this game. This was going to be our moment, and now OU's coming in here, and you know, it looks like they may beat our brains in. Maybe not a quit factor, but there is. I in I've been in stadiums where this happens before. It's like that. Oh shit! Here we go again. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that resonates like on the sidelines as much as in the crowd. 
which in a way I think affects the play onto the field. Like I think players would always say, no, we couldn't tell the difference, but you can tell the difference between oh, a place yeah. that is yeah. bouncing off the walls at the beginning of a of game. That's going to be one as of their, opposed that's to middle be, of the second quarter. I mean, remember when Nebraska came here last year through the off season, it was a big damn deal. Like yeah. when they had the 50th anniversary right, and all that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And remember, like, OU was sending out, like, the donors, like, those disco yeah, OU those hats bars, and stuff. The, yeah. And they were, like, they were like uh, video um, greeting cards or whatever. Those are really cool. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, like, everybody was excited for that. I mean, no one thought, like, oh, this is going to be a good game. But just to see Nebraska again on your home field, like, they're going to feel the same way. Oh, there was – I mean, there was just a certain feel within – and maybe this was also because – of the weirdness of the two years that had come before, but like there was a feeling on campus corner, even on Friday, I had to do a radio thing over here. And it was, it was just like, this feels awesome. This is one of those like cool weekends that you love I remember being, in a that college being on town. campus. Like it was just a different feel. Sure. So I don't know. I mean, it, I'll say this, it's going like, to be a fun game up there. I'll say this, that game's, I, I'm really looking forward to it. The opener, though, it's it's one of those that's like, we talk about what Nebraska could tell us. Like, UTEP is good enough, I think, that they could they could tell you that OU's got a ways to go still if if that game is close. Agreed. Sure. Yep. I mean, like, they're much better than Tulane. Every yeah, like, I, I, I don't think anybody's. But I do give Nebraska, and I don't know, maybe this is one of those things that you look back and it's kind of stupid, but, I mean, they should have beat Michigan. They they had, what, nine games in which they lost by a, one possession or less last year? They were not yeah. a terrible team, yeah. They weren't terrible. They were just good enough to get beat. They yep. didn't know how to win. I know that's well, like they had, a cliche had, line. They didn't know, though. They, yeah, they could they close didn't games have a, out. They didn't have a quarterback that could close. No. Although he could get, he could get he them get to the there. finish line. Yeah. He just couldn't cross it. Which is, like, interesting, Can too, Casey that, like... No, Casey Thompson is not nearly as good as Adrian Martinez. <laughs> he threw for 380 against OU or whatever. <laughs> it It is interesting, like, as much love as Kansas State's received in the preseason, it's like, uh, so Adrian Martinez is going to be the one that puts him over the top, even though he couldn't do it at Nebraska. It, it, it is he, interesting how those, like, match but, up. Um, as opposed to Casey Thompson, like, Casey Thompson never really carried that Texas team. Well, he couldn't because their defense was so bad. But I'm saying, like... Offensively, they Martinez, were really good. Martinez is the only reason that Nebraska had a chance. What receiver did they have last year that was any good? What running back did they have that was any good? Like Adrian Martinez was probably their best running back. Yeah. They did have a pretty good... Uh, was he a tight end that they used a lot? Imagine that in Nebraska yeah, using he, a tight the, end. The, the, he made a few nice plays against Oklahoma, That's, including that big one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Omar Manning, the, all his... Trials and tribulations. He's the one that had that touchdown. I'm just saying. I mean, Adrian Martinez is one of the bigger difference makers that can't finish that I've seen in recent years. Like, and and that Michigan game you're talking about, like, he would make the worst throws that I've ever seen in pressure situations. I thought they were going to win that. We, yeah, Bob and I were, we're driving back driving from OU back. Texas. and OU Texas. I thought they were going to win it until he fumbled at the 45-yard <laughs> yeah, line or whatever it, it was. it's ridiculous. And they took the Buckeyes to the, Remember, wasn't the, to, first, to the wire. Was it the first game last year when they when the guy fielded the punt and like fumbled it? Like he like yes. threw it back into yes. the, into the, the field the of play instead of yes. going. 
I mean, my God. Austin Allen's the tight end that I was thinking yeah. of for Nebraska. But, I mean, look, to me, that UTEP game, I, I, I would expect, like, the defense will come out and do some good things but not be dominant, and it'll give Brent a reason to kind of get after him. But, I mean, the opener to me, it's, it's going to be all about, you know, Jeff Levy and what that offense looks like and how, how he's going to want to get out to start the season and have Dylan Gabriel put up some huge numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I definitely – I'm intrigued to see how many shot, true shots they take down the field because when you look at Dylan Gabriel in his freshman year uh, with mm-hmm. Levy, I mean, he lets it fly. Yeah. That was and his strength. Like, do, do they have guys that can go get a football? I think that's a true Marvin a, a Mims. Serious, I think he can. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that there's some guys that can, but maybe that's where Brian Darby comes in. I don't know if, Jill, if he's a guy Jalil that can Farouk, necessarily maybe? stretch. I think Farouk could be. Jaden Gibson's obviously one of those guys. When you think of a long player that can go get a football, uh, but yeah, I mean. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing than how they marry the run game with that, you know, whether it be it Eric Gray or Marcus Major. Or or they, we say that and they, they'll go out and run it 70 times in the first I would game. love that. I think everybody would love that around here. Two-hour game average, in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, love they, it. If they could average 13 yards a carry or something stupid, that'd be amazing. W- would Lebby get a standing applause from the, the press <laughs> box, like everybody just on their feet for him? There's a lot of stuff that – and by the way, people on the board – I'm taking notes of everybody in these threads that are like, I love these new coaches. I love I, they're, they're They're just real. They're just real. I'm taking notes of everybody because the first time that I see a thread by the same people that are like, this guy's just not going to cut it. I'm going to remember these times when we were in this honeymoon period and everybody loved everything that was coming out of Jay Valai's mouth or Brandon Hall's mouth, or uh, Jeff Lebby's mouth. It's just funny. I remember the same thing just happening. let people be excited. I, but I, I am. I'm excited. But we're going to come but back I'm gonna, to you. But I'm going to remember. You're going to freezing cold takes, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to remember. And maybe it will never happen. Maybe they'll never lose a game. Maybe they'll never go through adversity. Then they're coming after you. That's fine. I'm used to it. Oh, yeah. You get such a hard time, don't you? I do. Superstar. I, it's 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 tough. I got a member guest to go win today. Do it. Uh, all right. Uh, so, Josh, anything? I mean, Bob, I should ask you. You weren't on the emergency pod. Was there anything recruiting wise that you wanted to answer to that maybe we didn't cover on Monday? Bob wasn't there. That's wasn't there. right. I wasn't. But I I guess the the easiest question is: We saw the five locks tweets throughout the weekend. Do you think there's any idea of a timeline for? any of the remaining four um yeah i mean i you know i think um a couple of you know it, it's so hard because you don't there's certain things that if you say a certain way or say a certain thing you're just giving away who it was or is there anything and, you've learned about the timing within mm-hmm. the last 48 hours i i would guess that at least three of them are probably done by, ver- by by the time the Nebraska game kicks off. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I think you're going to have a few there. Um, it wouldn't shock me if a couple of the guys uh, came back, took official visits, um, maybe those first few home games, the UTEP, the Kent State stuff. 
So I, I think you're going to see some some positivity there, you know, because again, like we talked about, a there's not a lot of room for a lot more guys to take official visits, and OU doesn't want that to be a thing, really. From right. everything I yep. can gather, they mm-hmm. don't want the 12 official visitors during a game weekend because of just what you talked about when we started this pod. Brent Venables is a different guy right now. He he's in football season mode. Like he it's it's a different human being, and you know you. you they're, that's not where their focus is going to be as much over the next four or five months, and that's part of why I think they pushed so hard this summer. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think you're going to have resolution on a few of them. Um, there's a couple that I wonder, you know, if maybe, you know, like we talked about with the Malachi Coleman thing, you know, with a, with a silent commitment. Tell you go public, I've never been big on how much that actually means. I think that's, you know, if, if you are ready – to be done, you'd be done. You know, you'd announce it, you'd put it out there. There's a reason you're silent about it. So I, I just, like I said, I, it wouldn't shock me if a few of those guys, it kind of takes a step back. But I, I think this should be another good month for you. Obviously, already with the Colton Vasek news, that's a that's a huge start. Um, and I would, somebody asked me, you know, for the month of August, kind of an over-under of three and a half, and I, I would probably lean to over. I, I think mm-hmm. four commitments Same. is probably about where I would be this month. So, And it, it could go higher than that. I mean, I, I think that's um, some of it's just going to come down to timing. But, yeah, I think four for August is probably the most likely answer. I never saw, speaking of Malachi's, that's I never a, saw the fallout from Malachi Nelson's A&M stuff. I just, uh, I don't think that there's much. that Like, I... I'm not going to claim that I know the family, know the kid. I just have a hard time thinking that he's going to go spend some years in College Station when he can go out right at down the, the family's road. house. What I think say so. you've had drinks and dinner with that family. Don't try to don't try to separate now, Eddie. I'm we a, know the truth. I'm a closet South Car- uh, Southern California <laughs> fan. I'm a big USC you are, guy. You are a closet closet even South Carolina though, fan. Even though I'm a UCLA donor, you are. That's true. <laughs> Literally. I I just don't think that that's ever going to come to fruition. I mean, maybe he's just trying to. Maybe he's playing the NIL game. He's trying to. Caleb probably told him, "Hey, go take a visit somewhere and get your value up. And possibly get these, get I, these boosters salivating." For it you. does take like a really sick individual though out there to be so bothered by Lincoln Riley that they want him now to decommit and go. Like, when did Oklahoma fans start cheering for A and M to get five star quarterbacks? Come on, yeah, yeah. You're not. A, I don't know. You're that sick. You're, I don't have to worry about those people out of, on the West Coast. Yeah, I think your priorities of yeah, you don't. He's not. You don't have to worry about Malachi Nelson out there. If he comes to A and M, he's your. Problem. You need to re replace your anger back towards. Let's get back to the region. Worry about what you have to worry about. The problem as is as long as USC is recruiting like they are, you don't have to worry about USC for a while. <laughs> um, I don't know, don't man. Danny can also they're going to win a national school. championship in the next two years, Josh. Guys, I mean, you, you know, we've talked at length about what Oklahoma summer has, or yeah, Oklahoma summer has been since, since June 1st, USC has three, four, five, seven commitments. One is a four star. Everything else is five, six, five, seven, three star players. Sounds like know. a lot of defensive guys then. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's that's that's not a bad observation. Uh, oh, no, you forgot. It, it is of the seven, there are. Let's see. Five offensive linemen and or defensive players. So it, it fits the mold very, very well. Bad in the trenches, bad on defense. Yeah, that's that's I I can't wait to see what that looks like against uh Wisconsin in November Ooh. up in uh Madison. That's uh that'll be a bloodbath. 
I think I'm more comfortable than ever to make the prediction that Lincoln Riley never coaches in the Big Ten. I think, he's coaching, out of there I think he's coaching in the NFL. Like, do you think Sean McVay wrong. wins another one and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to television? Possibly. I don't That's know. That's a chain reaction. I could Although see. that Chargers guy, his analytics are going to start getting on people's nerves here pretty soon if he keeps. Oh, yeah. The head coach yeah. out there? Mm-hmm. Now, I won't lie. I don't know. Two the, years, though, that doesn't give me much of a window. I might no. have to, my uh-huh. hatred I'm gonna have to da- freezing cold take myself. <laughs> my hatred of the Dallas Cowboys, the possibility of Lincoln Riley coming back there Ooh. and OU fans having to do those mental gymnastics to make it okay that he's their head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I, I This is fine. This is fine. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like It's it's the NFL. I, I, I don't have to hate him anymore. All he like, has to no, do no. is win as the Cowboys head coach. And, oh, yeah. I mean, it won't it matter. All's forgiven. Yep, all's forgiven. I mean, I'm still not blocked, so, you know, if that happens, I'm good. Although, he'll never get on social media again nope. if he's an NFL head coach. Uh, yeah, <laughs> There's no reason that he'll have to mess with that. He won't even. He'll delete his account. I'm sure. I'm sure Bill Belichick has a big Twitter following. <laughs> he won't like that people can watch his practices, though. Oh God! But I mean, he's letting players come out. And, you know, it's all about the uh, players yeah. and the, mm-hmm. the history of true comedy. Of great USC it, players. It's true, I, true comedy. That's just trolling. There's I mean, no way he doesn't know what that looks like. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that realized some of the crap he tried to pull at Oklahoma really hurt him. Like re- remorseful almost? Just trying to be smarter about it, I'd yeah. say. Well, I think, I mean, he's like, not like, it's he's always, not an idiot. It's always the juice is worth, you know, whether the juice is worth a squeeze or not. Sure. And I think not letting former players come out, that juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Like, sure. Yeah, that's weird. It just like, or when the, they did come out, just browbeating them to say like, "Don't tell anyone about uh, what you see here." Yeah, the 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 thing that really I think set everybody off around here was recently was when you know Jerry Pettibone's talking about he can't go to practice without Coach Switzer. That's insane. Yeah, like Jerry Pettibone's an 82, 83 year old guy. That what's he going to do? Go travel and tell a bunch of buddies on the message board? He got a big text <laughs> group that he's going to send out private info. Like that almost is borderline now, like thinking back, like kind of pisses me off that I didn't know about that. I knew about it, but I didn't know. It. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's just a frightening level of paranoia. Yes. It's crazy. Truly really a psychotic. That's why I'm worried well, about it. I mean, girls. it goes back to the CD Lamb stuff. I mean, like. Oh, yeah, with Fowler and yeah. Herbie mm-hmm. pissing them off when before you're, the when Baylor you're game. Playing. You know, a shell game with your broadcast team. Everything you're doing happens. a game day feature yeah. on everything, CD. Everything happens in Waco. That happened in Waco. He was talking to USC in Waco this past yeah, year. Yeah, true. Yeah. Waco, man. David Koresh and Lincoln Riley. So you're people. saying Dave Aranda to the NFL, Lincoln Riley to, to Waco. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Let's get crazy. Maybe so. To play in the Big 12. The, the part of it that's not that going would, anywhere. That would be the full circle. Like, I don't think I'm ready for something like that. <laughs> All right, guys. I think uh, I think we're good this week. Uh, next week, we'll have seen a practice. We'll, uh, we'll have been through, what, like four of them or something, I think, uh, when we pod. So, should be really good. I, I would imagine we probably have talked to Brent Venables after the start of camp. So, that'll be good. 
and some of the players have photo, video. Uh, but that free promo going on right now for all of Rivals, just go to Soonerscoop.com. Uh, sign up. Is it kickoff 2022, Josh? 20? Yes, kickoff 2020. All, all one thing. No, all one no spaces. And you'll, yeah, get, kickoff 2022. you'll get free access until the end of August. So uh, everybody always asks, when you going to have a deal? We got a deal. So go check it out. Sign up. Get on the Crimson Corner message board. See all the craziness we're always talking about. Uh, and uh, as we told you the other day, Soonerscoopstore.com. We still got... Uh, we haven't run out. We still got the five dollar t-shirts and the ten dollar hoodies for Isaiah Thomas. It's going fast though, so if you want to get in, uh, get on it now. We got to clear that stuff out because we got Eddie merch coming, coming soon. It's going to be pretty cool. Maybe by uh, the end of next week, I think. I would say yes. The end of next week, I'm hoping that we'll be fully restocked with everything and the Eddie merch. Uh, ready to go. I'm excited for it. I think that there's going to be a lot of people part of this. There is there is a lot of stuff out of stock, but we are actively working to get it back in. So uh, we do have, I mean, like the larges are still in stock and just about everything. Uh, but yeah, we're running, the smalls, the mediums are in stock, but everything else we're pretty much running out of. Uh, so if that's your sizes, go check it out. And there are a few more in the extra larges and, 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 I think that's about it. Uh, but, have, yeah. Have we heard from the school if they're planning, rather than like a wide out, like an unofficial 40 out for the, the stadium at any point in the year? Is that? It's a wide it out, but like it's a different type of wide out. Yeah. A wide okay. out that maybe the fraternity houses are used to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not out. So, oh. that'll do it. Uh, until I'm brag to that. Until next week. Uh, we'll see you for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.